Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the TheMediaByUs.com. Joining me today is the Chris we always miss. It's Chris. Hey, David is waved. Yeah. Uh, and we also yeah. have a TJ from around the way. TJ. Yup. <laughs> and we got, uh, got myself a Brent. <laughs> Trying to remember all my dumb things. Yeah. I might just start being in like my, <laughs> my nickname from our, our Star of David. <laughs> And my name is David, and uh, we're going to finish up what we think should win here as our annual uh, annual vote the four of us do for all these Oscar categories. Um, we want to see who we think deserves to win. Who should win is kind of, or who's going to win is almost a foregone conclusion for the most, por- most point uh, by the time of the ceremony, so this is more interesting to us. Yes. This is my most ex- uh, exciting podcast of the year, because as soon as we hit... Uh, stop on this podcast. I am fucking done with the Oscars <laughs> for a long time, and it makes me so happy. Yeah. <clears throat> so we're going to dive right. Try in. watching more movies and see how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to dive right in, and we're going to start with the writing categories. There's two of them. We're going to start with adapted writing. Uh, nominees here are um, "Call Me by Your Name," uh, "The Disaster Artist," "Logan." Molly's Game and Mudbound. Uh, I ended up voting with the heavy Oscar favorite here. Um, all of these categories that we're coming up to are very deep, though. I want to preference that. This whole podcast is full of ones where there's not any in a lot of these categories. I would be pissed if they won their respective category, but I, I voted Call It By Your Name here. So I have to, first I'll say, I, I didn't catch The Disaster Artist yet, and I haven't seen Molly's Game yet. But... Um, of the other three, I, I voted Call Me By Your Name. I think the other two did a great job. First off, it's awesome that Logan got nominated, and so it definitely wouldn't piss me off if Logan won, because that's just cool. Um, Mudbound, I thought, did a great job of, of making... Apparently, what was a, a difficult part of the book was merging the, the storylines together and whatnot of the two families and I thought it did a great job in the movie mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that is the script but also vote Call Me By Your Name again it's hard to know what's in the script when you it's hard to know what you're voting for mm-hmm. in these categories exactly but we, I don't, read, we don't read the screenplay right I read though that uh, Call Me By Your Name was in development hell for a long time yeah and so so long that they that they took the person who was the set location scout and he became the director. <laughs> like that was Luca Guadagnino's Guadagnino, uh, his original role on this film. And, <laughs> just and location guy. And I don't know if that you know matters for this category, but it it's certainly a category where uh, I think for the movie to have come off as beautifully as it did is is it owes a lot to the script, and it's really I thought was really impressive. I'll jump in here with the wild card. I had Call Me By Your Name for a while, but in thinking about it, uh, I've seen all these now. Um, I'm going to go with Logan as my winner for Best Adapted uh, Screenwriting. I think degree of difficulty for making this world serious is something that I think is underrated and why it is the first time it's really showing up kind of ever for these these kind of stories. Mm-hmm. Um I have no other place to reward it, but the world building it does, and the care it takes, and these characters we've seen so many goddamn times at this point. Yeah. But the new handling of Professor X, I love that stuff. I love the characterization. I love his grace note he has when he 
exits the X-Men franchise, spoiler alert, and some of the supporting characters are a lot of fun and gives uh, Hugh Jackman a lot of stuff to do. And, uh, yeah, just really taken by it. And, and uh, X-23, great, uh, great characterization there. Both through, you know, starting with the foreign language and then the stuff they write with for the kids. I was just really taken by it. That makes me really happy that you voted for that. Yeah. Even though I didn't, like... It surprised me when yeah. I was kind of, kind of, uh, cleared the slate. Chris? I'm also between the two. <clears throat> I was, I was most excited that, that Logan got nominated. Um, that's the accolade for me. Um, I, I don't think that, that it needs to win or should win. Because, um, yes, it, 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 it diverges from the comic book formula that we've seen so many times. And it is helped a lot by um, being penned originally by a team who had to figure out how to kill a superhero. Um, but Call Me By Your Name is just so delicate and sweet and... <clears throat> Unique is weird because it is at its end of the day it is a it is a forbidden love mm-hmm. and you know uh, an unrequited love story term requited um, but yeah it, it's it's just such a precious story in Call Me By Your Name mm-hmm. um, I love I love Logan honestly my favorite thing of the Oscars this year is that it's nominated for Best Adapt- Adapted Screenplay mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a, a push there, but it was definitely one of the two yeah. things that was maybe the happiest. Yeah, I mean, I do want to say, I do think the, to kind of piggyback on what David was saying a little bit, and um, I, I think, you know, the, the genre was always able to be made serious, but there was a lack of adaptation there, mm-hmm. um, always, that you, you couldn't do it, and... Um, because I mean, a lot of these comics, the ones I've read, I haven't read a lot, but they can get dark and serious and whatever. Yeah, they've been doing that for a while, but it never translated to film well. And yeah, Watchmen is one of the biggest examples of. I mean, there's 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 no lightness in the Watchmen, and very serious themes and concepts in that, and the movie is pales in comparison to what the the source material accomplishes. And I think that Logan is a great example of something that both pays homage to the original and still evolves it as a franchise. Like, there's not going to be an X... The next X-Men movie who doesn't keep this in its rearview mirror is going to be a disaster. The the Whatever the Dark Phoenix movie is going to be, if it is not tonally similar or willing to take risks or chances the way that Logan did, is going to be forgettable. Yeah, and, and, and just to, to touch on the three that we're all ignoring now, I was... Uh, I actually had Logan fifth on this. They were all great. I think Logan was really good. Uh, Molly's game was was really good. Uh, the three of y'all seen it. The writing. I mean, it's Aaron Sorkin. He's he's hammered that down into an art at this point. But I thought it was really good. Um, disaster artist played really well. Jumping tone. I thought between comedy and drama. I mean, it was sad at times. Yeah. Um, and and Mudbound. I mean, the work that went in. It's one of the manuscripts I actually looked at. And uh, the work that, that went into jumping first-person narrative was really impressive. Sure. All right, Call Me By Your Name takes it. Uh, next category, uh, Best Original Screenplay. 
Uh, this this one is a uh, death match here. Yeah. Some heavy hitters. Yeah. Um, nominees here are uh, Get Out, Lady Bird, uh, forgot the Big Sick. So to everyone. Yeah. Um, Shape of Water and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Kansas. People say there's no originality in Hollywood. <clears throat> and yeah. these are five ridiculously impressive original movies. Yes. Um, I, I, w- I would so love for the big six to just steal one away from these best picture contenders. I loved it, but I, I fucking adore Get Out. It is an incredible movie. It is a great screenplay. I, I haven't read it. I didn't do that work. But it is just a, a very inventive story and... For that terrible reason, I'm going to vote for Get Out. It's a fine vote. That is the correct reason, though. I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Get Out this is the vote for me. Yeah, it's 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 uh, as good as four of these were. Um, Get Out uh, was kind of an easy choice for me here. Actually, I'd Get Out fifth. Mm, wow. Um, all five screenplays were absolutely incredible in this category. Um, I ended up going with what seems like the hardest thing for me personally. I mean, it's a selfish reason to vote for this, but uh, writing realism seems like it would be something very hard to achieve. And uh, for that reason alone, pretty much, because I was so impressed, uh, I went with Lady Bird. Yeah. The only one that, not, not the the well, one the one that could well, be. It is autobiographic in a way, but I was like, oh, I thought you were going to say Big Sick because it's sick. the one that I was think Big Sick is real. Well, I mean, it's based on a real thing, sure. but I think more real things happen in Lady Bird than in the actual story. <laughs> sure. Um, this may not surprise you guys, but I went uh, Lady Bird yeah. with mine. Um, it, it was really tough, though, Get Out and Lady Bird for me, clear one and two, and then everything else. Um, same reasons. Uh, just the scripting the reality, making it dramatic, and picking the... I think scripting out... Uh, the perfect sequence for a the senior year of high school and all these little uh, memories you remember from it, and using that to tell the story and move the characters, I think is a masterful job there. But it does mean we have a deadlock. <laughs> yeah, who was the uh, who played the dad in Lady Bird? I'm sorry, I can't keep Tracy. Tracy Letts. Tracy Letts. Tracy Letts is a uh, pretty famous on stage writer, mm-hmm. and uh, Greta Gerwig apparently like in day two was like making a lot of edits to her script. And Tracy Letts was like, do you want some advice? And she was like, oh, God, yes, please, help me. <laughs> I've never done this before. Um, with the directing and writing. Um, and he was like, if you change it, you're changing the movie. Like, you're not the same person you were when you wrote it. So, you know, stick with what you did. And it was that when she was about to change Lady Bird's reaction to the song Sucks when they were listening to Crash Into Me. Mm-hmm. And originally, that's all she had written was, like, Lady Bird looks off and... Just says like I love it, like what everybody's talking shit about this song. It's mm-hmm. just like man, that's when you were sixteen, you didn't dive in. I mean, we may have, but most kids don't dive into this. Like, let me tell you why this song is great. You're just like, it's good. <laughs> I love it. Or if you're in high school, you may say this song does suck and secretly die inside right. because you really love it <laughs> and you're not brave enough to tell that. Yep. I think it's a great, uh, great um, cap to Lady Bird's you know journey that she goes yeah. through is. Being strong enough to say that. Such a minor thing in the grand scheme of things, but it means so much to her. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the three screenplays that stuck out to me in this category. Uh, I, I thought Lady Bird it, it did a really good job of being authentic to, as someone, I, I think I'm 
the age of Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. I think she's a high school senior in 2002, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. I mean, and me, me and David were 03, you were 02, Chris yeah. is 04? 05. Five. And, and so that's, we're all there. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so that is, yeah, that, it just seemed, everything seemed so kind of on point for for our generation. Um, and then I also thought, the other, like I said, obviously I'm going to get out, and I also thought Big Sick was remarkable in the way that it it blended so many aspects of the story of, you know, because it had to get the stand-up comedy right. It had to get the romance right. And it had to get the the heartbreak of the situation right. And I think it nailed all three. Four of these are writer-directors, which is interesting. Um, and no, I, I think... not as big sick. Right. Yeah. And I think you... One reason I started actually looking at screenplays this year was because I was so broken on this category, kind of. And I... Um, it's odd. It's it's we're gonna have a lot of the same discussion, I think, when we come to the best writer category. But like three billboards, the screenplay is just like when I say I read the screenplays, I clicked through them. Mm-hmm. But uh, three billboards is just like dialogue. It's great dialogue, super witty, super quip, like really spot on in what it does. Big Sick was kind of the same way. The Shape of Water, you can tell, is written by a director. Like it is very everything is written down. That script was like two hundred pages long, whereas like mm-hmm. Dunkirk's script was like sixty. You know. Um, because he writes down everything, and he makes sure he knows how to film it before he writes it down. Mm-hmm. So it's it's uh, almost apples and oranges. I mean, I hate doing that, but it's really hard to compare a film like Lady Bird to a film like Shape of Water, which is like so technical in what it did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have Big Sick Two, Shape of Water Three. I mean, it's a very any five of these win, and I'm I'm pretty happy, honestly. On the big night, not here. Here, I wanted to be Lady Bird. <laughs> how do we break this tie, gentlemen? Well, I made a. Kind of a promise to myself that I would change my vote for anything that wasn't three billboards. <laughs> so as long as the group wasn't going to pick three billboards for almost any category, but uh, this particularly particularly screenplay, um, I said I, I told myself I was like I will I will I will give up Get Out if it if if it can if we can just go in a another direction before you. You, before we go there, I can also give up for Get Out Here because I, I think I thought it was the most clever thing I'd seen all year, the most clever writing of the entire year, yeah. and how it puts you in the frame of mind of like the African American experience and people co-opting your culture, and like some of this stuff is on the screen, but some of the stuff is like oh that that's what you know that's the mechanism here that he's trying to do. About yeah. uh, you know commodifying black bodies essentially, and the you know the liberal racism that that's out there that is just as toxic because it doesn't have as as much of a name as you know big R racism. Right. It's I not, thought it was so clever. It's not pappy for mudbound racism. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think all five of these movies did something that I love in movie writing, which is uh, originally Get Out had an opening scene where it was a random family, white family, rich family eating dinner. And talking about how their day went, and it panned outside to the actor from Atlanta, Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah, yeah. getting in his situation. Well, yeah. it ended up being the first scene of the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they when they asked him about it, Jordan Peele, uh, he was like, "Yeah, I realized I need to just trust my audience to know. I don't need to spoon feed them what's going on. They'll figure it out, or they won't. But I'm not going to like sacrifice 
my movie for like so dumb people can get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and it's like, well, thanks, man, a lot because <laughs> I hate it, that shit. It's, in it's hard to separate director from screenplay, especially for writer right. directors. But like, I love the 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 decision to not have like I think there's a temptation to have a a one white person to root for in a movie like that, and he made the choice not to do that, and that worked. And you know, you didn't catch any backlash on that. Oh, I'm sure he caught some from shitty people. But, uh, you know, and then there's the the also the ending of Get Out too, where it's the the cho- where he it's written in a way where you get both. You get both the as the police car pulls up, you get that feeling of like fuck, yeah. And then you get a happy ending, like, and you realize that's how common, yeah, you know. Because you realize you don't have to film that ending for it to be the ending. Yeah, it's, yeah you it's realize what's not on the page. Right, that that movie already plays out in your head is like the best political act of the movie. Almost is mm-hmm. that that is such an automatic thing for you. Yes, that's how the movie. That's how you know the movie works. <laughs> this is so damn clever. Is because you. Yeah. He doesn't have to carry through with that ending because he's already put you through the emotion of that ending before you get the happy ending, the happy surprise. Um, How about this? You switch to Lady Bird and I'll switch to Get Out. (laughs) (laughs) Now, where do we stand? Where do you stand on the other four? I'm just curious. Uh, Chris, sorry, I I forgot you can't see where I'm looking. I'm I'm Get Out, Big Sick, Lady Bird, Three Billboard, Shape of Water. If we go to the... I'm sorry, go ahead. So, I'm not switching to Lady Bird, but I would be comfortable... Casting a vote for Big Sick. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> because because I had Big Sick second. We we talked a lot about Get Out and Lady Bird. Like it's just it's. I get that it's it's, it's a real story, but it is just such a clever mechanism that is so Disneyified that they pull off. Where you know Zoe Kuzan's character Emily wakes up and you know is distant. She's like, I was in a coma. None of that happened. Yeah. Like, like all that like devotion you had for me. I don't give a shit if my parents love you. I don't. Like, and struggling through that, like that's, it happened. But you know, it's stranger than fiction. And I, I, I love it. All the dialogue for Holly Hunter and Ray Romano, like very quiet. Not even A, B, or C plot, but the D plot of Ray Romano be like, yeah, I cheated on her. Yeah, and he's just like, what? Like, it's 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 just really clever. There's there's the scene in. Like uh, stand up, the stand up comedy scene where Holly Hunter um, starts yelling at like the bigot. Yeah, uh, is it's just so effective because it's you know it's it's the, the turning point. You know, it's not just Kumail's jokes because some of them are great. You know, though we lost a lot of good guys that day. Right, like <laughs> that stuff is is very effectively funny. Right, um, you know, supposedly the harder part to write also, but the the the, the drama in it is. Rewarding, and it's just a darling Kumail movie. Kumail losing it in the drive-through. It's like all these people need a place for their uh, in, the injustice of life to go. Holly Hunter goes to the bigot. He goes to like the drive-through thing. Ray Romano, I think he has some scene. He, he defends his wife from the bigot. That's the this elevator goes all the way down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, the, I, I, you know, you're talking about Zoe Kazan waking up from her coma in that movie and Emily Emily's you know reawakening and uh yeah 
it's it does a really good job of staying true to each character's individual experience in the movie. Yeah, and that's it, it is a very consistent movie in that way. I thought and, and very impressive. Like it's consistent to there wasn't the big scene where the the mother where Camille's mom like Opens runs up, and yeah. gives him a hug as he's about to leave or anything like that. They didn't sure. go for that Disney ending. They don't go just, for like, honey, you need to have him at your party. He's you know he cares a lot about right. you. It was just like the I invited all the nurses. I invited him too. Right. Yeah, he was there the whole time. Yeah. And speaking about the family, that's like the most written part, I believe, is Kumail's family because it's an amalgamation of all the experiences he had growing up mm-hmm. and not one particular story. Um, and that is like just fucking great. Like his his brother and his mom and dad, mm-hmm. like their dynamic at the dinner table and her bringing over Indian women is yeah. is like or sorry, Pakistani women. Was it is the brother in uh, Big Sick is uh, the other Indian guy in Victorian Abdul. Yeah, he's the... Yeah. I never made that connection. Nice. Right well, weirdly, even though none of us voted for it initially... I'm fine for it. I really yeah, it was feel like Big Sick is a, I don't know how David feels. I feel like I'm being talked into it. It's, it's my... Uh, it's like... My, it was my fourth. <laughs> but, I mean, if we're... We, we could re-vote. And I... The thing is, like, I love it, too. And just thinking about it, I might re-vote because... Maybe not as my number one, but higher. Just thinking, talking to you guys, how many balls are up in the air in that movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, like the two families, the stand-up, the drama, the comedy, the cute male's journey, Emily's journey. They, they got what's happening with the friends. It's all compelling. It all works. Yep. And writing, I mean, writing realism, this time they've got a little crutch because it is what happened to them. But, you know, it's not... They de-fantasized what a romance like this would play out as written by someone else who right. didn't have that experience the way that, that Greta Gerwig demystified, you know, growing up in the late 90s uh, in a really effective way. And again, and I definitely don't want to bash Lady Bird. It's, it's, it's third on my list, and I liked it much more than the bottom two. But it also, it, it, is, a, it is a type of movie... Uh, coming of age, like high school senior movie that I've seen before. I don't know if I've seen it quite as good and well done as Lady Bird, mm-hmm. but I think it loses a little bit of steam for me in just that it didn't get out as so inventive and so unique and new. And uh, Big what? Sick brought something completely, totally different to the romantic comedy for me, which is why I put them both ahead of Lady I don't Bird. Know, not to, not to bash other movies as a way to prop mine up but I just I, I hate that way of I hate that uh, that defense of to not represent Lady Bird because we're in 2018 now and like we went back to Metropolis all of these we've seen before and we have either iterations that you know either build a better mousetrap or you're like a game changing thing it's like Okay, I love Let Get Out. It's one of the most clever things I've I've ever seen. But it's the Stepford Wives with the twist on it. Sure, you know it's, everything is the Great Wall, or it's the Invasion of the Body <laughs> I mean, Snatchers yeah. with the twist on it. I can it. see that. Big Some Sick, are more stretched than others. I think for me, the, the Big Sick is like while you were sleeping, or it's a rom com with a twist on it that it's so much better than that. Yeah, I guess for me, I, I think the reason it stands out for me more with Lady Bird is that. I had just seen Edge of Seventeen at the year before, and it was a very similar <laughs> movie to me, and also really well done. And Lady Bird was a little bit better, 
Ladybird is the better movie of the two, but not not by leaps and bounds. Also, though, like there is something to be said. Like, um, <clears throat> what was the big Ed Sheeran song last year? The big love song. <clears throat> Sorry, Shape of you? getting the wrong person. Anyway, but talking to you, well, I was talking to you about it when you were like, it's still impressive that he can write a good love song. That is impressive. Oh sure. Yeah. So like, I don't think when you say like, I've seen this before, they just did it better. That's more impressive to me than being creative and coming up with something new. Because there are going against 200 rom-coms, and they improved on it somehow. Yeah, you have to That is more impressive to me, and like, I came up with this crazy story, check it out. Like, I mean, they're both really impressive, but yeah. neither one has any more weight than the other. It's like last year, The Lobster was something I've never seen before, <laughs> and probably <laughs> never want to see again. Yeah, it's still got to be good. And the re- for, yeah. yeah. And the uh, reason rom-coms are rom-coms is because they're generally good. And if you can improve on those... Yeah. That's I realize there's no way there's no way for us to either make our like empirically prove our argument here. It's just a math. I think it's personal yeah. preference. That's like true. like I, last year, the lobster would have gotten. I think it did get my vote last year because it was so unique. And I think I tend to just personally gravitate more towards like I don't know towards I mean, that type of. This sounds like I'm being a, a shitty person by saying it, but like it's the easier thing to see. Yes. To, to, to reward uniqueness as opposed to, oh, to as opposed reward. to it's easier Apple to do that than like face of iteration right. sure. to you know apples and oranges it's if it's the apple it's easy to right. categorize that that's different right do we want to do a revote sure maybe a secret ballot so I mean, we, we have to do a secret influence. to see what happens I, I love when the <laughs> categories surprise you like I you know it's it's fun that this has turned into a yeah, this has been uh, Best Original Screenplay by Talking Talk Podcast an hour later. Just because we're, we're deadlocked, let's go to this. We're deadlocked and all of us are willing just to shift in some way. <laughs> so it's going to be a secret ballot? Yeah. I think so, just because... If you can do it on that and show us. Cause if we hear someone doing something, we just may change. Oh, we can just I can just reveal at the same time, though, right? Like, that's not a... Just effort. turn your hop out around when we tell you. Sure. Sure. <laughs> we don't. They don't need to be secret in the end. It's just like they need to be uh, same time static. Yes, yeah. static. That yes. the voting doesn't influence it. We've made our arguments. If those arguments haven't swayed people, sure. Then the way people vote shouldn't sway people. Yeah, it's like we're getting our twelve angry men on. Yeah, calling for a vote. All right. So after revoting, here's what we got. Look, jerk folded so many times. We got get out. We got Lady Bird. <laughs> we got plus BS. Okay. Oh, big sec. Yes. <laughs> I was like, what's BS? It's and BS. to break the tie, the big sick <laughs> takes it. Big sick. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Actually, took. Uh, I, I thought what TJ said was correct, and I said, you know, to to improve on a genre that's been done many times is is impressive. And I know he said that sort of referring to Lady Bird. No, uh, I was talking about the Big Sick. But I was, I took it, I was like, well, that kind of goes towards the Big Sick for me then. Yeah. Sorry. Plus, there's just something I just love about the idea of Camille Nanjani having an Oscar. That's just, makes, and, makes me happy. And I said it at the very beginning of this, I would love to watch the, the Big Sick just eat their lunch. Yeah. Just like, they, they don't get a big Best Picture nom, uh, you know, edged out there. They don't really have anywhere else to show for how good of a movie The Big Sick is. Mm-hmm. It's got that, you know, released in February of the eligibility window. So that's that's always hard for a movie to overcome that. 
Um, so between Get Out and Big Sick, if either one of them were like, you know what, fuck you guys, we're a horror movie or we're like this rom-com, we're taking these like highbrow scripts and we are winning your award. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to vote that way because that feels petty. <laughs> I'm trying to make sure that my votes aren't votes against, like, protest votes against you guys are fine because that means that we differ in opinion. Sure. My, my protest votes in anticipation of the Oscars are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like, the Oscars haven't happened. It's irrelevant what they end up deciding there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, they, I mean, fuck, it could win. I, I could be, all my number ones could get honored at the Oscars, but I don't know yet because I don't have a time machine. Well, I can go ahead and say the nominee is going to the next category. Yeah. Um, so next, we're going to do uh, Best Supporting Actor. So the nominees here are... We'll go Christopher Plummer for All the Money in the World. We got uh, Willem yep. Dafoe for The Florida Project. We have uh, Richard Jenkins for Shape of Water. And we got uh, Sam Rockwell and Woody Harrelson, both for Three Billboards. So, uh, what do you like? I believe none of us have seen All the Money in the World, correct? Right. Correct. The category itself isn't dead to me, but Christopher Plummer is. I think, yeah. And it's not really their fault this time. No. (laughs) So I don't feel as bad. And I wonder, and I also, I mean, I need to see it, obviously, before I should say this, but I also wonder if his nomination is... Degree of difficulty. Degree of difficulty coming in to replace Spacey. Filming. Instead of actual performance in the movie. Oh, 100% think that. Yeah. I think if it started off where he was casting it to begin with, we wouldn't even talk about it. Okay. So yep. I don't feel putting him, I don't feel bad putting him fifth on my list. Yeah. And that's who they wanted originally in the studio, studio wanted Spacey, right? That's, yeah. the, that's the story? Yeah. Slash like scheduling conflict. They always say yeah. that. Is, is the plumber, is the other plumber who's in... Sh- all the money in the world is that someone related to Christopher Plummer? I don't know. Okay, I don't know either. Jake Plummer. <laughs> um, mine might be big here, so mine might be kind of obvious if you're a podcast listener to all four anyway. Here, um, it's the only nomination from the best movie of the year. Um, so I, I went with Willem Dafoe. I thought it was a, a big fan of subtle acting that'll you know shine through as we move on through this. But uh, I just thought he was really, really good. And what's Pretty hard role. Acting with kids ain't easy. And uh, he crushed it, I thought. Mm-hmm. Acting with kids isn't easy. And uh, also playing not a morally gray character, but like an amoral character. Yes. Like, he he loves the kids because he's like a human being. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want anything bad to happen to them. He's still got a business to run. So it's like working for your friends where your friend is your boss. Like, you... Like, there's a weird power dynamic there, and he does really well with it. Um, I also want to vote for Willem Dafoe for this. Um, I love Sam Rockwell's performance in Three Billboards. He's great. Um, but Willem Dafoe is the best thing in an underappreciated movie uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Dang, it's really tough between two for me. I think I will go Sam Rockwell uh, for Three Billboards. Uh, I think he has a great arc. I think some of the backlash about his arc, like does he even deserve an arc, I think is way overblown. Yeah. And it just doesn't make sense to me, people who want art to be out in the world. You know, representation is not authorization of like that viewpoint. You can have a racist character and not be racist. Jonathan Banks probably isn't a racist. Yeah. But he plays one a few times. Mudbound is not racist because it depicts racism. And uh, his arc is... He's got a shallow arc. 
Yeah. Which is so hard to act. It's got to be. Because like, he doesn't become a good person. No. He just becomes a guy who decides he wants to solve this case. Yeah. He's more aware, right. at least from the beginning to the end. I, th- I think he does a great job with... He's got some real lowbrow comedy in it. Yeah. And he's got some uh, pathos by the end of it. And I've always liked him. I, I'd be really happy if Defoe ends up taking this, though. There, there, there are four here that I've seen. The all four. And they are... All deserving in my mind, too. All great performances, yeah. yeah. And I think that it, it's... Woody's number four for me. Woody's number four for me. Uh, the, you know, as I was I was going to give a little lip service to the two that we haven't talked mm-hmm. about. Uh, Woody, I thought, did a good job, but it was... I don't know. I, I don't know how much he brought to it that somebody else couldn't, possibly, in that role. I think it was a, a well-written part. Um, yeah, and he says the guy who wouldn't vote for three billboards if it was writing. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of the parts are well written in isolation, yeah. as long as yes. I don't consider how they interact with each other. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I liked his performance, but I put him fourth. Rick, Richard Jenkins third, I, kind of the same thing, which was I, I liked him in the movie, and yeah. I thought he was he you know. It was a good performance, but the other two stood out to me, Sam Rockwell and Willem Dafoe. Um, and boy, it really is, it comes down to, when you have Willem Dafoe and Sam Rockwell for me, it comes down to, boy, this is subtle acting against not subtle acting. All the acting. All the yeah. acting. Um, and I know I always say I go with subtle acting, uh, and in this case I'm also going with subtle acting. <laughs> uh, Willem Dafoe, uh, for me, it, it, Sam Rockwell is really, really good Yeah, on three billboards. And I think could win this, uh, could win my vote in a lot of years. Um, and going to the, the, the pushback on his character arc in the movie, that's one of the reasons I've been kind of hesitant to talk about my problems with Three Billboards, is because that is the most common problem with Three Billboards, and that was not a problem I had with it. I thought his, his character arc was fairly well-earned, Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think he, he is fully redeemed at the end of the movie, but at the no. same time, I think that, you know, he does do a heroic thing after being inspired to, you know, by his, the letter from his boss. And it's not a huge heroic thing to just do his job, well, what his job used to be before he got fired. But it's, uh, I think, yeah, I think those, that criticism of the movie is kind of missing the point. Um, Agreed. And so I didn't. That's the reason I have been sort of withdrawn on that is because I didn't want to throw my. I didn't want to be kind of lumped in with those criticisms. Yeah. Of three billboards. I also, and not to prolong this since we've we've got a winner, but I also think that that's not Sam Rockwell's fault. Right. At all. And and that people shouldn't take out what is a great performance of maybe a flawed character against the person who portrayed it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you said earlier, Sam Rockwell isn't co-signing on that behavior when he takes the role. Actors deliberately take challenging roles. Yeah. Sometimes. But we can't always have likable characters in every movie. I mean, movies would be dead. Right. would be stagnant. Yeah. You need something to butt up against. And supporting you actors. need some conflict. You know, this, this category is always a great place for that, too. To have, like, very troubled characters and unlikable characters. Mm-hmm. But... For Willem Dafoe to have been as impressive as he was playing a, I mean, without other actors, right? Yeah, nobody there to act off of. 
Yeah. Just him. Him, <laughs> children, and Instagram models. Yeah. He might, he might have given, like, the most soulful performance of the year for yeah. me, Willem Dafoe. It's like, just, it's just about, like, decency as a human being, which is in, like, stark contrast in that economic and, uh, that economic situation. And, like, amoral, like Chris was saying, but also, like, a character who you just felt like was smarter than what they were doing in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You always felt that way, and I feel like I kind of was sold on that in the scene where he, um... Tells her, you know, no more guests unless they sign in. Like, this yeah. is the way I can control you and your shitty life without, like, crossing any boundaries. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a rule that I just don't follow. We're going to start following it now. This is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I will say that this category becomes much harder if Michael Stuhlbarg is nominated. I was just yes. about to say that. If they had nominated Stuhlbarg from Call Me, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Call Me instead of Plummer, then. Plummer or, or Woody. Then it's it's a tougher it's a tougher vote. I still me. think I end up at Defoe. Same, but I think I might we might go Stuhlbard there. Yeah, there's a good chance I go Stuhlbard, but it's gonna be tough. All right, let's let's move it. Yeah, we all love everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, best supporting actress. So the nominees here are uh, Mary J. Blige for uh, Mudbound. We got Allison Janney for I Tanya. We got Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread. Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird. And Octavia Spencer for The Help. <laughs> Octavia Spencer for The Shape of Life. She is referred to as The Help by Michael Shannon in that movie. Yeah. Um, I don't mean to shit on her. She's, she's a great actress, but... She's also been... What's the fun thing? She's been nominated for... Every time she's been nominated for a supporting actress, she's gone up against somebody from The Help. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, Allison Janney. Yeah. And well, Chastain and Viola Davis. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. David, start us off. I'll kick this off. It's the most obvious for me. You guys know my, my leanings. Uh, Laurie Metcalf turns a, a role that could have been either a villain or someone you obviously sympathize with and complicates it. And I just love her her um, her performance, especially, you know, what's, what's writing, what's directing, what's performance. I love the about face that seems so true to life when they're in, like, the, uh, the Goodwill trying on a dress, having a heated argument, and then it's like, oh, that looks good on you. Just yeah. felt so humanizing for me, and uh, it may not work for everybody. But the uh, the writing the notepad, the the letters to her daughter, and then the airport, and her you know we've all done those loops before dropping someone off, you, you know especially if it's something emotional, you're just alone with your thoughts there. I uh, just love that you know I love face acting, but the camera's right there, and you see her go through so much there. Thank you. Uh, I also went Laurie Metcalf. I think the thing that makes uh, Lady Bird, a great movie and not a good movie, is the writing and the performances from the supporting actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. Uh, her and Tracy Letts are great. I think her best friend is great. What's her name? Little Hill. Uh, Bernie Feldstein. Yeah, is that right? Um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. No. I was, yeah. Yeah. We don't doubt that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Jonah Hill's sister. It's Jonah Hill's sister. Yeah. Well, Jonah Hill's real last name is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Little Hill. I was like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I mean, she was fantastic in the movie. Um, the, the what's his name? David, encyclopedia guy. The black guy was has small roles in great movies. He was the, the teacher. Yeah, he was the teacher. Oh, um, Stephen Henderson. Yeah, he's great in that kind of role. Though he's great in yeah. um, Manchester by the Sea last year. Um, but yeah, that movie is just I think elevated from good to great from the writing and the performances of pretty much everybody but Sarsha. She was great. She just I think 
these were, were more standout. I thought Laurie Metcalf was absolutely amazing. And uh, a clear one in this group for me, um, above, I think, Janie and Manville is a, is a clear tie for second. But. I, uh, yeah, it's a pretty easy vote for me. I mean, I know despite Bird Lady getting a lot of the expectation here, I'm going Lady Bird as well with uh, Laurie Metcalf. Just a completely believable mom performance. Took yeah. me too long to figure out what you were doing with Bird Lady. Lady, Lady, Lady Bird. Bird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Janie has the more memorable performance, maybe, because it is just so, just so many fucking juicy lines that she gets to deliver. And she just gets, she gets a lot of laughs in I, Tanya, but To me, she's a, she's a cartoon, and yes. Metcalf is a person. Yes. Yeah. And that's why Metcalf's job was tougher by a lot. Yes. I was, I was, I was trying to think of, I also do it for Metcalf. I was thinking of the words to describe the Alice and Janie performance. It would be, she's, she is a cartoon villain with a heart of gold. Whereas Laurie Metcalf is, you know, a frustrated mother right, right. who is overworked. Yeah. The only thing I would debate is whether she has a heart of gold in the, yeah. in the movie. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, I think it's I think it's it's Olympic gold. I think it's clear that, that she loves her. I think that she's bad at doing love. I, I, I was with there for that and not to spoil I Tanya, but until the very end where she has the emotional scene and she's got a tape recorder in her pocket. I think it, they really sell out that character. I, I, it's not Janie's fault, and I'm sure her mom is a real piece of shit in real life. But uh, yeah, there's just no redeeming that that character, and little redeeming that performance, other than oh, it's a really f- fun to be wicked. Yeah, for me. I don't know. I just think, I think we often give too much credit to like it's easy to do that, right? When it's not. But oh yeah, yeah, sure. All right, Metcalf takes it. Metcalf takes it. Sweeps. <laughs> Sweeps. All right, and now we have, uh, we're going to Best Actor. So nominees here are uh, Timothy Chalamet for Call Me By Your Name. We got uh, DDL, Daniel Day-Lewis for Phantom Thread. We have Daniel Kalua for Get Out. And we have uh, Gary Oldman for Dark Tower. And that's and then it, right? Denzel Washington for Roman J. Israel for, Esquire. Yeah. For obligatory Denzel Washington nomination. <laughs> for we need someone who is not a... No, no I don't want to say that. <laughs> yeah. For the... Yeah. Not James Franco spot. <laughs> he was he was good in that movie. I'll, I'll throw that out there. Yes. He was pretty good. I mean, he was better than pretty good to me. I thought he was really good. I thought, I thought he was... Yeah. I really disliked the movie in, in totality. <laughs> but I thought he gave a different spin. He actually played a character for the first time for yes. me. Yes. Where he wasn't just like uh, Denzel. Denzel is morally superior to you. I feel like I haven't seen that since like the nineties from him. Yeah, uh, it was fun to see. I thought he did a really good since job. Training day. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's the last character he probably played. So let's cross that one off. <clears throat> I'll jump in here with one, and I may have a. <laughs> I haven't gotten first a lot. I like to <laughs> hang out in the the back. In the shadows. Yep. The darkest hour. Darkest hour. Um, but I'm going to go Daniel Day-Lewis for Phantom Thread. Um, maybe it's recency bias, but I really uh, loved him in this. In the, like, argument we have, like, um, War for the Planet of the Apes, best visual effects, same thing. John Williams. It's like, do, does this have to be better than his the greatest acting of all time to be the best for this year? You know, not necessarily, but I think it's really fun. It also might be. <laughs> <So> yeah, <I don't laughs> he's 
he's really good as being a petulant child. I think he's hilarious, and he's like, in his his version of violence and his codependency. I think there's so much in that performance that's really well done. Uh, and I bristle a little bit at. Um, now nah, I don't need to talk about other nominees. I just I'll talk about what I really like. I'll talk about a different nominee. My vote's for Timothy Chalamet. Uh, I was really impressed with all of the physical acting. Um, mm-hmm. There's so much body language that it could have been a silent movie, and I think that I still would have recognized his superb acting. Um, not just that. <clears throat> I think I have a bias against Army Hammer just because the way he sounds. Mm-hmm. Like he has that 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 American accent that doesn't exist anywhere. It's just, it's so performed. Where are you from? America. Yeah. Where are you from? <laughs> that Cary Grant. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, yeah. F- I'm from where they study great speeches and how to orate. Yeah. <laughs> it's like perfect denunciation all the time. You know, and it's, and that's just the way that guy sounds. Like from Winklevoss to now. Yeah. Um, but, but Chalamet really bounces off everything really well and blending between English and Italian and being like the little kid being, getting, being the little kid sitting at the big kid's table. Yeah, um, he's you know takes takes lines that feel like red would be cliches and mm-hmm. delivers them passionately. Um, and if at the very least for that last scene, just tight shot, you like face acting. It was, that was like just, that was just emoting, just him in the fireplace so after the call with Army Hammer. It's incredible. Um, and to bring Michael Stuhlbarg up as much as possible. Um, <laughs> While Stuhlbarg is, this you is know, monologuing, yeah. stop making so many good movies. <laughs> while he's while he's monologuing, you know, wh- like what else do you do in the room for for Winston Churchill? Everyone you know is up and cheering, and it's Winston Churchill delivering a Winston Churchill speech. But you know, this is this is uh, Elia's dad, and you know he's you know finds comfort in him in really like great physical ways that I appreciate. Mm-hmm. He's he's a clear number two for me. It's like those two. So, he, he was me, and he was my vote until last night. I was very I was blown away by Timothy Chalamet in Call Me by Your Name, and I would I would be very happy if he won. He would probably get my vote in a lot of years years where Daniel Day-Lewis doesn't act. But well, the rest of them apparently, yeah. supposedly, yeah, right. if you believe Daniel Day-Lewis, yeah, it's just it's just one of those. It's I. I almost hate it because it just feels like a boring standard pick. It's like, oh, the best actor made a movie where he, the best actor in the world, you know. But he was so good at it. It's not he like was so good. It's not it. like a wasted vote because right. Daniel Lewis was still phenomenal in it. Right? He was right. funny, <laughs> which it's is like, so weird. You don't get from him it's that like, much. It's like voting for Tom Brady for MVP. I mean, he was the MVP. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, but damn it, I wish yeah. somebody else were the MVP. Yeah. And so, but I vote for Daniel Day Lewis because it was the it was incredible in a way that I feel like only he can do. Yeah. Um, echo most of the sentiments for Timothy Chalamet. He was just amazingly impressed. I was did not think. I was going to like that movie, did not think I was going to like his performance as much as everybody was talking about it, and then it was just perfect, honestly. Yeah, picture that movie with, like, Miles Teller. <laughs> yeah, like, like fuck. That, and that kid is fucking going and play. Hey, he's also in Lady Bird, he was great in Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we have a, a couple of future superstars in this category, and speaking of the other one, Daniel Kaluuya was absolutely amazing. Yeah. And talking yeah. about physical acting, wow. Like, he was so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
the acting of him in the real world when he is in the second place is brilliant. Yeah, brilliant acting. He's my number three, especially for a first time director to be directing a first time like lead actor. Like I don't know how the hell they did that. The really impressive work. But yeah, I went in <laughs> to see Phantom Thread. It was like super hyped, super excited, um, and was expecting to be like, damn, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And the movie didn't quite get there for me. I mean, one of the best movies of the year for me, top twenty for sure. I didn't love it like I liked There Will Be Blood. But I walked out and I was just like, that motherfucker is the best at his job ever. There's yeah. just nobody better than him. And I don't think there ever has been. Like, I've seen him do five different things and he does them all perfect. It's ridiculous how good he is at acting. Yeah. Um, and to be able to have that and then do it in multiple movies for, for me, I mean, there's some, I've talked to Brandon about Daniel Day-Lewis a lot because we're both big fans. Um, but to be able to act in four different movies and act four different ways and four different characters and nail every one of them, 100 out of 100 in each role uh, he fucking did it again it's yeah. jaw dropping how good anybody can that anybody can be that good at anything is ridiculous and it did have one thing in common with the there will be blood performance for me and that was I feel like nobody nobody uh, does as good a job of showing just internally like uh, pushed down anger the way Daniel Day-Lewis when they're eating lunch at the ski resort after the they get Back together the first time. Yeah. Um, you're going to remember this better than me. But is that accurate? Yes. When they're eating it's afterwards. And um, she's like back to eating loud again yeah. outside. And he just, there's no dialogue for like three minutes. He just looks off and he's like, sticks his tongue out of his bottom lip and he's like, his neck gets tense. And it makes you like, oh, I'm so sorry. And it made, re- made it me re- laugh out loud too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it reminds you of the church scene. It reminds me of the church scene in There Will Be Blood when I also laughed out loud where he is just, he's having to, he realizes that he has to he has coexist. to get on his knees and, and start screaming. To, and he has to put on this show for all these people. And you can see him before he gets on his knees. And yeah. I hate to bring up another movie that's not nominated this year, but this performance reminds me of that. That's it's that quality in his acting that's so that's so good. Where you can just you don't just see his outward expression of, of anything. You you know everything that is happening inside him. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Spoiler alert for about ten seconds if you want to go see Phantom Thread because it's it's hard to find um, these these days. But before he takes a bite of the omelet that he knows is poisonous, dude, yeah. that just like stare into Vicky Creeps' eyes where he's just like. Like you could tell, he loved like fucking with her almost. Yeah. Like, yeah. Are you gonna? <laughs> when are you gonna admit it? Just like playing with the fork, right. and yeah. just like going like airplane style into his mouth, and the slowest chew I've ever seen in yeah. my life. Yeah. His way of like figuring out exactly where she stands in this, and his respect for her game. Yeah. As you see all <laughs> yeah. that stuff there. Yeah. It's, oh. it's so good. But yeah, my most dangerous. <laughs> Uh, next category we have is Best Actress Nominees here are Sally Hawkins for Shape of Water We got uh, Frances McDormand For Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri Margot Robbie for I, Tanya, Sarsha Ronan for Lady Bird And Meryl Streep for Whatever. Dip Post Meryl Streep's movie this year Ugh. There's silence so I'm going to start talking Because that's how this works <laughs> yep. Uh, I'm voting for Frances McDormand. I get that she's like the odds-on favorite and is probably going to run away with this, but I still think that her performance in that was the best of the year. Um, she brought 
a lot of the character herself to the filming of Three Billboards. The jumpsuit, the bandana, said mm-hmm. that she watched all the Rambo movies before. <laughs> yeah. Like, like she wanted to be John Rambo. That's awesome. Yeah, like, like <laughs> they they had they had carved out the mold, and Frances McDormand altered it and filled it. Um, and she's just she's just just great in in all of her quiet outrage throughout the entire movie. <clears throat> you know, she's the only character who is who interacts with everyone um, from. And like she almost plays like at one note the whole time, mm-hmm. and I loved watching it get broken down by mm-hmm. Dinklage at dinner when he's like, you know, I didn't have to take you out on this date. Like I didn't have to do this, and you see the regret in her eyes, and it's just it's it's you know we talk about subtlety, and I don't know how much of this is deliberate or subtle, but she's she's just phenomenal in playing off everything because there are some fucking cartoons in that. Like Sam Rockwell is a cartoon character. In every movie he's ever been in, and especially in this, he's just cartoonish and big and loud and boisterous, and she still plays that one note, and he just fucking hates it. Yeah, and I'm going to jump on. I just want to go next because I want to jump on with what Chris is saying. My vote is also for Francis McDormand, and I think you get that, um, like, you know, a plus class actress when you have that scene with Dinklage in the restaurant because she has previously just had a knife held to her throat, like she's a. By John Hawks. Yeah. Um, where he, I don't know if it's a knife or not, but he throws her up. Uh, the knife is the sun, I'm sorry. Yeah. But he throws her up against the wall. He's about to beat the shell over, and she is as stoic as she is the rest of the movie during that. Like, she doesn't care about that. And for some reason, Dinklage breaks her. And when we did our review chat, we talked about how Dinklage was kind of a throwaway character, and then it hit me when I was thinking about this and ranking these. I was like, oh, that's why Dinklage is in the movie. Yeah, he's I, the one who can break the rock. Yeah, I re- I rewatched it and I I remembered thinking that Dinklage does way more as a foil for her than I originally thought. Yeah. She also her hardened exterior breaks when uh, she is uh, with Chief Willoughby too when he spits blood onto her. Yeah, she and goes she, full mom mode. She she realizes she 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 puts her vendetta aside. Yeah, I think it's for that it's, moment. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I know you didn't, honey. She says, "Oh, baby, yeah, it's oh. his baby." Yeah. yeah. It's such a. You can just get a glimpse of what she was like when she was a maybe a loving person. Yeah. Um, you know, we mentioned it earlier that you know you shouldn't hold it against a performance just because you dislike a character or a character arc or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, that comes into play here uh, because there are, I had a lot of pro- I have a lot of problems with uh, with that character with Frances McDormand's character in the movie and the way it was presented on film. But I have absolutely zero problem with her performance. It was magnificent, and it easily earned my vote in this in this group of nominees. So McDormand is a, a runaway number one for me. She's almost like next-level acting. <clears throat> Everyone else is playing checkers kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I saw an interview where someone was talking about Frances McDormand. said she almost didn't take the role because she said, like, someone in this socioeconomic background wouldn't wait to have the kid that... that um, uh, Manchester kid is what's his name again? Lucas Hedges. Lucas Hedges, person that socioeconomic background would not have a kid that young be their first kid. Mm. And same with like the daughter. It's like it's not believable. <laughs> and like her husband Joel Pollard was like, "You should take this role." <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a burn vote at this point. Um, I'm gonna throw love. I I was going for Sarsha Ronan for things that I can't really quantify. I think the movie works. The writing, the Greta Gerwig, all the side characters, but the movie succeeds or fails for me if 
you don't care about Lady Bird or not. If you care about her or don't care about her. And I cared about her, and, you know, she breaks my heart in the movie. You know, watching it go through the the entire thing and, you know, the relationship she has. I think she's really good in it. Frances McDormand, clear number two. Um, I do want to just mention two in particular that I thought were really good uh, this year that, that are in this pool. Um, and I thought Margot Robbie did a fantastic job mm-hmm. uh, playing Tanya Harding. Uh, mm-hmm. was really impressive. And the amount of work that went in um, to the Shape of Water role with Sally Hawkins uh, was really good. And I know Sally Hawkins is somebody who's probably not on a lot of people's radar, but she's been around a while. She's a great actress. Um, and was absolutely fantastic acting with other fantastic actors in Shape of Water. Um, Michael and, Shannon, Richard Jenkins, and she was she was very limited because of her character. Like she couldn't, she couldn't do inflections and and whatnot because she had no dialogue. Yeah, anytime you can't talk or have to act by yourself, it's uh, right something that I can't really understand. Yeah, but, but I still think she had a full character. Oh yeah, and, you know, despite that, did not see her for what she lacks. Yeah, she yeah. was the early front runner like months ago, and uh, I can see why. I'll echo also about uh, Margot Robbie. She was my number two. Uh, on, in this category, but uh, I, I thought she did a great job with with that character. Um, it's one of those where I don't know who else could have played Tanya Harding. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that is tough for me to cast. Yeah, in, but then in when, a weird way. But then when they announced when they first announced that she would be doing Tanya Harding, like my first thought, and this is this is crude, but I was, she's too beautiful. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I I you know I didn't think that they would Charlize Theron monster her. But they did, and she's a perfect Tanya Harding. Yeah, yeah. She's built like her too, which is fun for that that role where everybody's so tiny in that universe of figure skating. And uh, you know, she's Mario Robbie's a she's she's a bigger woman. She's just you know wide. She's not a model frame, right? Yeah. And uh, neither was Tanya Harding in a world where everybody is. Yeah. Uh, it was perfect casting. I know she's a producer on it and everything, but good job. Give me give me my Brooklyn Prince though. Yeah, yeah Brooklyn Prince was was amazing in Florida. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. If we're, if we're going down that route, yeah, give me my Haley Richardson from Columbus. Yeah, you said you didn't oh, want yes. to talk about it, but I think we should talk about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those two, fantastic. Um, <clears throat> so we go to director. Whew. This will this will be this a tough. another bloodbath. I'm, I'm guessing, but the the nominees entering the uh, Thunderdome are Greta <laughs> Gerwig. <laughs> Just picture her in the Thunderdome. I don't think she'll do that well. A lot of these people won't. Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird. Uh, we got um, Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk. Guillermo del Toro for Shape of Water. Jordan Peele. Sorry, Sam. Nope. Jordan Peele for Get Out. And Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread. I think Greta could do okay in the Thunderdome. Yeah, maybe. Like, I think I think uh, Guillermo del Toro would be like, Greta! And then she would just murder him instantly, <laughs> you know, He'd, well, I know you're not going to think the same of me, but I have to do this. Yeah, <laughs> as, as he's bleeding out. This is tough. I'll, I'll jump out, shot across the bow here. Uh, best director, I'm saying Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk. Probably, uh, I haven't heard him in terms of anything for the real race. That's not what we talk about here, but uh, the feat of pulling all that stuff together. Talk about, I love the technical aspects of the mix of the sound. I love the score, the editing. And in the end, all that stuff has to be pulled together to make a watchable movie. And I was on the edge of my seat the entire time, and I thought it worked uh, extremely well. And having like a master craftsman at the helm of that, um, 
I'm not that big of a. I know Christopher Nolan has his fanboys out there that he should be the best director every single year he has a movie. But this year, I do think it's true. I think that was a tough achievement, and I think he did an amazing job. And for those reasons, I'm out. <laughs> you shark tanking? I'll jump in. Um, yeah, for me, it, when I don't really know how to sum up direction sometimes I try to think like what movie do I think is greater than the sum of its parts like when I can't isolate I mean and even though I've definitely isolated a lot of Dunkirk's qualities earlier in the last podcast I'm also going Christopher Nolan because I I think bringing it all together is the, the hard thing about that and the way he did it and he you know it was a very impressive film. I also don't think I have a problem with any of these others. Like, I don't. I don't know how to argue against the others. Do you want to make this difficult first, or do you want me to? Go ahead. <clears throat> so, I think that the, the rebuttal to that is the argument that I'm often met with when I make my Mad Max Fury Road argument: mm-hmm. is it's got all those things, but is it the best acted? Is it the best written? Is it like like these major things against it? And as much as I want to take like the Phantom Thread and say PTA because it's three fantastic performances, at least three fantastic performances, or you know Shape of Water, which is a beautiful story, brilliantly written and acted. Um, but I'm going to take a shot for my for my boy Jordan Peele. Um, it it to me has that on the edge of your seat quality that Dunkirk has. And the surprises that come from the screenplay, mm-hmm. the acting from Kaluuya to uh, Whitford, and you know one of the one of the people we thought that should get nominated for supporting actress, Catherine Keener, is phenomenal in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the visual effects in the sunken place are impressive and unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it's just it is such a fantastic freshman outing for a director we're going to see for a long time. Not that that should play into who wins the award, but that, and I know that he's a commodity in TV, but with so little resource and clout can make something so surprising and magnificent is, I think, the big challenge, less than tying together elements that were designed for perfection. Uh... I was just going to say, I, I love the Jordan Peele pick, I do. And I think that maybe the only reason I didn't have it number one is because I gave a little more credence to the script when I and when I originally filled out my ballot. And I was a lot of the things you're saying were things that I included for the script. And maybe, I don't dock him for as director, that doesn't make sense, that wouldn't make sense to do. But the degree of difficulty was greater for screenplay than direction for me on Get Out. And the degree of difficulty was much higher for Dunkirk on direction, I think, for me. I would disagree, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, What's your vote? It's really hard. Those those three jumped out to me uh, from the get-go. What's Uh, the third? Peel, Nolan, and Del Toro. Yeah. I think... What Christopher Nolan did was really impressive. I mean, he flew around in a plane with a pilot with a camera attached to the nose of it. 
that's ridiculous. I mean, he essentially had a pilot as a cinematographer, which is just amazing. You know what I mean? That's ridiculous. And he pulled it off, and it was amazing. It was good. Um, Jordan Peele, like I said, I don't know how a first-time director and first-time like actor and writer was able to do what he did. It was incredible. And I've tried to separate these three things, those three movies and direction, and I ended up landing on Del Toro. And a lot of it is the creative steps he took to make this movie is so far. Like, if you tell me you have to shoot Dunkirk, I could, I would at least be like, well, I need to be in the air. Not that I could do it. You sure. know what I mean? But I would yeah. know that. But to be like, you're going to film a movie about a whatever the hell Shape of Water is about, and that constant movement of the camera, like very slight to where you feel like you're underwater the entire movie. It's just like an awesome choice that works somehow, and I would never think that. And if I did think that, I'd be like, that's going to make everybody throw up. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, lots of subtle little things like that jumped out to me in Shape of Water. And uh, in a movie where nothing else really did, mm-hmm. I was like, man, you could just tell this was a made-by-movie-maker. You know what I mean? Um, and when I started breaking it down out of these three, you know, five-star directing jobs, uh, he was a, a clear one for me at the end. Yeah. The only one that I never really got into my contention for my vote was Greta Gerwig as much as I do like Greta Gerwig mm-hmm. but I don't know if that aspect of Lady Bird was the most important thing to me it's hard too because this is you know, we talked about four of the five original screenplays being writer-directors these are all writer-directors mm-hmm. um, so and, and, and the reason I mean I wasn't trying to be like combative with the Nolan being harder to direct than harder to write but again like clicking through that screenplay for Dunkirk like holy shit he had it like on point Everything, you know what I mean? Like yeah. where you jump, where you go, like blank pages for like gaps where there wasn't anything really. Yeah. Um, uh, he he wrote that screenplay as more of an outline than a screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I, I don't I don't know. It was it was really tough. If I'm not mistaken, none of these have won before, right? No, only one of them's been nominated. And that's PTA once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Good for all of them. I, it's 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 it is it is surprising that Christopher Nolan's never been nominated, and it is very surprising that Guillermo del Toro has never been nominated. He's probably pretty close for Inception. Is probably the closest he got, I would guess. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, think about movies he's made. Like he made superhero movies. Those don't get nominations here. And then what? Like Memento. That was you know. The he's movie had that. DGA nominations for Memento, Interstellar, and Dark Knight. Also. Yeah. Those those would be technically the closest he's come. Right. I, I don't I don't love the I, I never I don't think people should vote on lifetime achievement awards. Not that there's one to pick here, but you know, no matter who wins, it's going to be nice that they they it will feel earned. I feel like all five of these directors will make movies that will love in the future. Yes, yes. So I'm super excited that this yes. is the field. If Jordan Peele wins, you know that is a well earned debut director Oscar and then if the three veterans win if any of the three veterans win they are also all deserving of an Oscar at some point and uh, I feel like this is the category that won't upset me at all yeah I'm I'm fine with any of the five yeah Um, it almost feels uh, shortchanging that we have a winner from these that we can't have multiple winners because this is one of my favorite fields of all. Yeah. It sucks that uh, can't get it to more than one person, but we do have a plurality with two people with Nolan. It makes me almost regret 
uh, Nolan and wanting to go to Jordan Peele and hearing what he got said. You know, <laughs> I also was Nolan del, del Toro and Peele. I kind of started feeling bad, but you know, I still like my pick. And I just love your guys' picks too. This, yeah, if, if the extra vote is on either one of those three, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. Too. but if there's only two of these, then I start to get cagey. Right. <laughs> All right, that brings us to best picture. So uh, I'll say the nominees and then kind of do uh, tell you everyone the results of our experiment we did, and then we'll debate for realsies what we think is going to win or what we think should win. But without further ado, the best picture nominees are um, Call Me by Your Name, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, and Darkest Hour. Shape of Water, Three Billboards. Can't remember. Yep. I'm kind of jumping around. I don't have them. All. <laughs> I have them in my terms of ranking, which I don't think you guys need. Oh, uh, right. But um, first, we did an experiment uh, through uh, in-person, email, Twitter, Facebook to kind of get other ballots because uh, unlike any other category, there's a preferential ballot that uh, that gets done where it's not just who you think is going to win. There's plurality. It is um, you rank everything from one to whatever. One to the number of nominees for how much you like it. And then how it works is if anything gets more than 50% from the very first offering, that's the winner. Which after looking at uh, seeing how it goes, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Right, I, don't yeah. think we're, I don't think we'll ever see that happen. You don't think so? You don't think we'll ever have like a, just a runaway number one? You know? No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's ever going to happen. It's just like statistically with the number of nominees, unless there's five nominees again. What was the what was the most what's been the least suspenseful best picture race in the last twenty years, you think? <laughs> last year, honestly. It was wrong. Then no, no, race. The race. Maybe the artists. Hurt Locker. They were so sure gonna win. No, I'm not, yeah. I'm I'm answering your question correctly. I was more sure Lolly was gonna win last year than I was in anything in recent years. I was just wrong about it. I think everybody was, right? Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah. I just, I don't, yeah. I just don't remember feeling more strongly about that than, say, Fellowship, or uh, the Return of the, King. Return of the King, or, I'm just wondering if what would be... I mean, on the podcast before the Oscars, I said it'll be the biggest upset in Oscar history if Lala loses. I was like, well... Huh. It was, and in the most upsettiest way. Yeah, I guess. I guess let's put it this way: knowing what we know about last year, what do you think the biggest blowout ever has been? The biggest blowout, so the most sure thing, and then winning, and then actually, yeah. If you if you went back and looked at the votes, what was what would, what has been the biggest probably Oscar in what era? Yeah, because there's there's two eras. The preferential ballot starts in two thousand nine. Before that, you only have five, and you just pick one winner. So are you including that? Since 09, right? Because you want to know about uh, the preferential ballot treatment, right? Oh, yeah, no, I, okay, I don't know. <laughs> I, was just, I was just curious if some year before the preferential ballot would have yielded a, a instant plurality. Like, Unforgiven, or... Sure, tons of years. Okay, yeah, like I think that's a, that's a function of having only yeah. five nominees. Is you, you And don't having one vote. Yeah, and one yeah. vote. You don't have no, no, no. I'm saying that if the if the preferential ballot existed in 1992, if that was the way they did it, I think a lot of people changed their number ones. Though that's what I'm saying. So I think the preferential ballot lends people to do that. Like, ooh, I want to pick Get Out first, and then I'll put 
you know, Dunkirk second. Dunkirk will probably win, but I'll do it this way. Like, when you get to write that other movie down, you change uh, what you're doing. Okay. What saying. Yeah. Yep. But that's, how you get, that's how you get movies like Moonlight winning. Is right. that, you know. Probably same for Spotlight. Yeah. Um, okay. So anyway, yeah. If first pass, nothing gets 50%. Then you take the film that has the least number of number one votes. You strike that film off, and their number two now becomes their number one. And you keep doing that until you basically are going to end up with two movies, one of which gets above 50%. You keep cutting it and cutting it. So we did that. We got uh, ballots. We got about 14 ballots in uh, from people all around. I want to say thanks to everybody who submitted something. I'll say, <laughs> I'll say first round of voting, we got uh, five for Get Out, four for Lady Bird, four for Three Billboards, and one for Shape of Water. So nice. even with five for uh, Get Out, that's only 36% of the vote. So what we then do is the one Shape of Water vote, uh, that gets removed, and we go to their number two. Their number two was Lady Bird. So then we have five for Get Out, five for Lady Bird, four for three billboards. So then everyone who voted three billboards, <laughs> their thing gets taken away. So that gets taken away, and we go to theirs. So then we have seven votes Get Out, six for Lady Bird, one for Dunkirk. And Get Out only has 50%. You have to get above 50%. Plus one. Dunkirk. Yep. So then the Dunkirk <laughs> vote, we go to a third <laughs> third, uh, third place vote to, to get here. Um, and that one, that one ballot happened to have Get Out. And Get Out wins the preferential nice. ballot. <laughs> Eight to six with 57%. What if, what after if we all had that. gone to 7-7? Seven, seven? What does that do? What happens then? What do you what, go on? You, you, can't, you, you can't tie Oh, it would just been a tide. You can't tie it. The Oscars. It's if, just if very, had, very, very unlikely. Had, uh, Lady Bird higher than Get Out. Right. Yeah. We would just had a tide. Okay. We would have figured it out here. There's a way to break the tie, or the Academy holds an odd number of somethings. I don't know. But Get Out wins the preferential ballot. Neat. After going to third place votes. That's true. You can tie in other categories. I'm not sure about preferential ballot. It may go to the whoever had the most original first place votes out of the two or yeah. something. Um, but I know you can tie in everything else because it's just random votes. The yeah. people have spoken. And I agree with the people. I had Get Out as my number one movie. All right. I'm yeah. going to kick this off and say that I think the best movie of the year was Get Out. Um, I love a lot of these movies, um, but the one, and I hate to, to say this, but the one that I enjoyed the most as a movie, as like a thing that I will rewatch of the options that I have, <laughs> it's Get Out. Uh, echoed almost exactly. It is the most rewatchable of the movies for me, and I had to find something, and I'm not big on the rewatchable like I think The Artist was a great Best Picture winner that year and it's not very rewatchable um, but I had to find something to separate these top four movies for me that I thought were all deserving and uh, I landed on Get Out this shouldn't be a huge surprise if you listen to the top ten then Get Out was number two for yeah, me it was number was one for Chris the least suspenseful right. you take out the number two for Chris sorry number two yeah. for me Yeah. but if you take out people's uh, <coughs> unless people saw new stuff but if you take out people's um non-nominated movies out of their top ten yeah. probably get their vote. Yeah. yeah, TJ and my personal preferential ballot, Florida Project gets eliminated for TJ and Blade Runner gets eliminated for me because right. they're not nominated for Best Picture. Right. Yeah. 
So I go Lady Bird because my number one's still there, and I just love it. What am I gonna do? <laughs> yeah, I'll just stick with my number one from our top ten movies of last year, and <laughs> stick with Get Out. Yeah, that's also part of the reason I didn't argue as, as vehemently for uh, Jordan Peele is because I knew I was gonna be sticking to my guns on, uh, or at least you know like. Really fighting for Get Out to get best. Picture. I thought Christmas was flopped, so I had it mixed up in your fountain, so I didn't even know. I thought you had three billboards too and Get Out three, but yeah, I'm just wrong. <laughs> I, can, I can show you guys. My, no, I, I like Get Out. I like Get Out as a best picture because uh, I like it when movies endure and when movies, and it's not necessarily the rewatchability, but just when a movie ten years later feels relevant to the time that it was that it came out and I don't know I, I think Get Out is both a great movie I think it was the best movie of last year but I also think that it will represent 2017 really well it's the only time I voted for it <laughs> in any category yeah it's the only thing it won yeah yeah looking at my list I really do have a top five and then the bottom four are kind of whatever and it's like Get Out, Three Billboards, Dunkirk, Lady Bird, Call Me By Your Name are like for me the, the, the five best in that category. And then Shape Water Phantom Thread are clearly the next chunk. Mm-hmm. And then as much as I like Darkest Hour, and I like, you know, the, the, the subtlety and the camera work and lighting, I think that the post is a better movie on the whole than Darkest Hour. Well assuming assuming we all voted today the same way we filled out our preferential ballot um, what would the preferential ballot have shaken out differently if we don't participate in it yeah I could I could do that pretty easy because that removes three get out initial votes mm-hmm. then yes and one ladybird oh yeah so it's three but that removes the whole ballot, so yeah, three, three. No, I know. Second, right. yeah. But our our ballots don't even so aren't even involved. So ten ballots total. Do six of them go three billboards? Was it six? No, it was four. It was five, four, four, one. Yeah. The original. So what would happen is you would have four votes, three billboards, three votes, Ladybird, two votes, Get Out, one vote, Shape of Water. Shape of Water gets redistributed. <laughs> To a ladybird, get out is the on the fewest amount of ballots that gets taken out, redistributed. Uh, Shape of water that gets redistributed, and three billboards ends up winning. Okay, so which from, is weird from listeners, three billboards is the preferential ballot winner. Yeah, it's the preferential ballot winner. Fun! But that's why we're here and you're out there. Yeah. Glad I could help correct your error, listener. <laughs> you're talking to the one person who hears this. <laughs> so that's it. Ends up with uh, the the leading winner is Dunkirk, winning four of these. Blade Runner with three. And then we spread the wealth. Um, Get Out gets one. Lady Bird gets one. Three Bullbirds gets one. Call Me By Your Name gets one. And... Uh, yeah, that's kind of... Phantom Thread 1. Phantom Thread, yeah, gets 1. 2, Costa. No, he gets 2, yeah, you're right. He gets 2. Pixar gets 3. Yep. <laughs> what one editing? Dunkirk. Okay. Cool. 
Baby Driver with a with an Oscar from us. Yep. So when you get shut out on Sunday, Baby Driver, you can turn to us. I don't know. We'll see. If you get shut out, yeah. yeah, I'm not I'm not ruling out their odds. It did win best editing at the Baftas, which was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he's British. <laughs> yeah, but I was I was talking to a friend of the podcast Al. Unlike Christopher us. Nolan. <laughs> like BAFTA voters are members of the Academy now, so yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a big chunk of them. Yeah, and they 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 do the full awards like song score, all the stuff. They pretty much we haven't talked about the BAFTAs who so Oscar heavy, but they pretty much went like how I'm gonna vote, how I'm gonna predict the Oscars. Yeah, it's kind of boring. Pretty chalk. Yeah. They did go three billboards to win. Yeah, it's best drama. But again, that's the one category that it's like weird, the most up in the air because it's only out of five and yeah. it's not preferential. I still feel like I don't know, man. I still think Lady Bird's got a fighting shot for Best Picture the Oscars. Yeah, it's just the least offensive movie. People it's going to be in everybody's top five. I feel like unless you're Chad, it's going to do really well with the preferential. Yeah, with this kind of year where there's not like perfect obviouses, obvious number ones, we're definitely going to number twos and number threes. Where we could have something interesting happen. It just depends, you know, what those number ones are. That's yeah. the the thing. And you got to think like Darkest Hour post. I think those movies don't have a shot. The voter that votes for Darkest Hour number one, what is the kind of movie they would do for number two? <laughs> right. Or the post, if that's your favorite movie, what would be their second or third favorite movie? That's that's going to swing. I still think a lot of it though. I think the most of the number ones are going to end up being Shape of Water, Lady Bird, Get Out, and Three Billboards. Yep. And nobody's going to have. So, like, it just, it's going to shape, it's almost random. And that's one reason why I'm not a big fan of the preferential ballot, is because at that point, like, you got these four movies, and one of them has, you know, the most number one spots, but you got to take them off because they don't have the most number two spots, or whatever. And it's like, well, now it's not really, uh, you know, are you really asking them what the best picture is? Like, why, why is there an algorithm? It's what's the least offensive movie of the year. Right. Not not offensive in terms of controversy, but right. in terms of. I'm surprised they don't just do it with like a like. The way like MVP votes. MVP ballot, yeah. like just give ten points for a first place vote, and give or give nine points for a first place vote. Right. And give one point for a ninth place vote. Just total up all the votes. Do that. <laughs> I actually did do that. Oh, nice. <laughs> and uh, Get Out ends up winning. Okay. <laughs> but number two is three billboards. Lady nice. Bird would be yeah. in three. Those, those would actually have been my three picks. I just feel like those are the movies that the most people love. Well, there you have it. People love Del Toro, too, though. I mean, I, that's why I think he's going to take up Best Director, and we'll see what happens in the movies. But um, they love that guy. He's a nice, jolly man. <laughs> and did you hear he loves monsters? <laughs> man, I love he that quote, though. It's so good. All right, so that does it. We come to a series of winners. I'm pretty satisfied with them. Not, nothing I'm all that angry about. I had a really good uh, percentage on my winners winning, which means we all probably did. Yeah. And I looked it up. Your protest vote last year was for uh, the La La Land song. <laughs> oh, because they had you you two protested entries. and said Moana. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but with that, this was Talkie Talk, the podcast for TheMediaBoss.com. Please visit the site and see our stuff. Connect with us on uh, Twitter, Gmail, Facebook pages, Facebook groups. Uh, the links are in the show notes that you can click and check out. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, and things you can do to help us are to subscribe to the podcast. 
to give us a rating wherever you uh, listen to it. And uh, that being said, we want to say thanks to Willow Walkers for the intro music. Thanks, Willow Walker. We want to say thanks to Boo Reva for the outro music. Thank you, Boo Reva. We want to say thanks to you guys for being here. We did it. Thanks for having us. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town, slow pokes, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things that I know.